Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today, we're all very lucky because we're joined by the CMO of Foot Locker, Jed Berger. Jed, welcome to the show. Oh man, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Man, so excited to have you. I, I, I want to dive into, we'll definitely talk about your current role at Foot Locker and mm-hmm. you know, a lot on that front, but I wanted to start this off talking about you know, most kids don't grow up necessarily wanting to be the CMO of a large corporation. Uh, what were you, what were your goals when you were younger and how did that sort of evolve into where you end, have ended up? Well, yeah, I mean, I've always been sort of an average athlete. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, you know, I, I, it didn't take me very long to, to get rid of the, I'm going to be a professional blank player. Um, and I transitioned that into, I'm going to be the general manager of the Boston Red Sox very, uh, at a very young age. And that career goal lasted a, a, a pretty long time wow. uh, when I was younger. It's sort of what I would always answer when people ask me. Um, you know, honestly, I, I, uh, I always wanted to be in, I always wanted to work in sports. Um, I, uh, I went to GW. Um, George Washington University, and I was really fortunate to um, to get a great internship there, actually. And um, I interned for a company um, called Sports America that nobody's ever heard of, but they created the McDonald's All-American game. Wow. And at the time, they had a bunch of different properties. And at the time, one of their other big properties was called the Reebok Capital Classic, which is now the Jordan Brand Classic. So, um, so I was, so I was really, and they did a lot of things in grassroots hoops. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, I was able to re- and they were small. And so I was able to get in and learn a lot about the, the sort of the business really quickly and, and take some, some roles that, that, um, you know, a lot of interns probably wouldn't be able to get, you know, at the same time, I actually interned for the wizards for, um, for, for a summer, uh, which was more of a typical intern experience. Uh, the, I, I will tell you that the, um, that the uh, the draft was in DC when I was interning for them. That's pretty cool. And typical intern experience. I was building their draft board, their de- uh, their draft board, literally building their draft board, and I was using an exacto knife to cut out <laughs> like literally names. And I sliced the shit out of my finger, sliced it so badly. Oh my god! I I went to the bathroom. The GM of the Capitals walked in, saw my hand pouring out in blood. Well, it's on draft day and they, and they were, you know, it was, it was Washington sports and entertainment at the time. So, so he, right. he, so he literally, he like literally get calls the trainer, the, the wizards trainer, the wizards trainer comes stitches me up and I go back to work building my draft board and, and went to the draft that night. You should have gotten, if you were a player, the whole arena would have been standing on their feet, applauding you for going back to work. Well, I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you that it, I did learn an amazing fun fact that day from the wizard's trainer and that I, that I always tell people, which I didn't know that maybe it's different now, but when players in the NBA got bloody noses, they would use a cut piece of a tampon to stop the bleeding in their nose and the players would, would play. Now, again, I'm a little older, so this was a while ago, but that was my fun fact that the wizard's trainer told me while he was <laughs> stitching up my finger. Well, that, is this podcast going in the exact direction that you thought it was going to go? 
No, it's going in the best, better than I could have imagined. I love these stories. And that is something that nobody knew. I doubt that's still true, though. There's no way it is. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but um, yeah, so, you know, honestly, I, I uh, it, you know, sports is just a passion, is passion for me. And I've been unbelievably fortunate. I've worked on it in it in some way, shape or form for my right. entire, for my entire career. And while I, you know, while I consider myself an expert in my field, I really do at this point, I, I do often wonder is what, what, what would my job, what would it be like if I wasn't working in sports? And I do think there are some adjacent um, profession, uh, some adjacent passion points that I have that I could, that I could work in, but um, I feel unbelievably fortunate and have worked really hard to stay in this one. That's so funny. So, I, and, and awesome now, but I, I want to ask, you know, in your current role, obviously Foot Locker works with a ton of different athletes, a ton of different influencers. And I'm curious, obviously it's not just the play that you guys are interested in because, you know, the end goal is to connect with the fans and, you know, bridge yeah. that gap between Foot Locker and fan in super authentic, organic ways, right? Yeah. So what are the metrics that you look at when, you know, choosing which players and athletes to work with and sign and do different collaborations with. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, first of all, what I'll tell you is, is, is the way we look at partners has changed as our initiatives and our strategies have changed. Right. Um, and I, and I've been a part of that change in, in a couple of different ways where, you know, when I, 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 for a while was, was the head of the Foot Locker brand and we're a portfolio company, which means that we own a bunch of different brands. So we have Foot Locker, Kids Foot Locker, Lady Foot Locker, Foot Action, Champs, and East Bay. And then over um, in Europe, we have, a, we have a, a, another brand called Sidestep. And then we actually have a consumer facing um, sort of energy platform called Greenhouse as well. And um, so I used to be the head of the Foot Locker brand and we did an unbelievable amount of um of content with athletes and in that point we were we were really you know our um our objective was to have to make to have a little bit of fun to um to lighten up our the personality of our brand sneakers are fun they're passionate they're, they're they, you know it should be it should be a positive experience and we want that relationship with our with our consumers um and so we did a lot of i would say we played into the humor. We, our tone was, was fun. It was witty. It was clever. We, we played into pop culture. We played into to real relevancy. Um, and, 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 uh, so we worked with people like, like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, Dame Lillard and, and, uh, and, and, and really big time performers and athletes. I would say that, that, um, we've evolved. Um, and a lot of what, what we look for, now in who we work with actually uh, is more on the creator side, I would say. Um, more people who, who resonate in a, uh, in a product creation sense where we really do try to work with people on a product creation um, side. Uh, you know, I think that the, the sneaker industry has also changed like that where a long time ago, you know, the product was created and it was inspired by an idea and the, the, the shoe got made and then it was handed off to a bunch of marketers six weeks or two months before it launched to try to find the story, right. to try to find the story. But 
but that's that's significantly changed and and now um we've what we try to do is work with influencers and athletes uh and creators and make them part of the product make them or their ideas part of the product design and creation um and it's just it becomes a much more authentic way to bring a, a story and a product to life uh people customers love that authenticity and it resonates with them and they can smell it when you're sort of you know making it up and using oh, yeah. somebody and using somebody i would say from a um you know in, instead of using somebody as a creator and somebody who really believes in the program they're you're more using them as an influencer or an endorser and i, I would much rather, right yeah and i and i and I, don't, I don't think that works anymore and um and and people see through it so i look for people who who want to be part of the entire process and we and we can tell their story and they have an amazing story to tell or they have an incredible design eye or um and and i think that you find a lot more people like that today also because uh people really want to be seen as dimensional they don't want to be seen as one thing a ball player doesn't want to just be a ball player he wants to be seen as much more he wants to be seen as a he or she wants to be seen as an advocate as a fashion icon uh, um you know and um as charitable and so i think that that has really allowed for much much greater storytelling um, and much more real storytelling. So we look for people with those stories to tell and with those passions that we can bring into the creative process. Totally. And I, I think, you know, the saying was always that basketball players and rappers wanted to be each other. But I think the case now is more so that everybody wants to be an entrepreneur as well. So being involved in, in process. Yeah, no, I think the entrepreneur piece is real as well. People, you know, they, again, I think that, that you know, they, so many players, um, have business interests and are setting themselves up for post career more than they ever have, which it, and by the way, the dimensionalizing of, of athletes is, is incredible. It's awesome. It's a great development to the world. It creates better role models for 100%. younger generation. Uh, so I, I feel, you know, I'm, 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 I'm really happy about that piece and being able to tell those stories. Totally. Now, obviously, from when you were interning back in the day till now, something called the uh, sneaker secondary market emerged. Is yeah. that something that you're a fan of and thinking about and is because I come from like a collectability of cards and, and that sort of world. That's one of my hobbies, as you can see behind me. I actually mm -hmm. have your guy, George Washington over here. I, saw, I see that. A card from 52. But, uh, you know, is that something that you guys think about? Whereas in collecting, everything is priced, you know, obviously uh, in accordance with supply and demand, but to allow for the secondary to make money because that builds trust with the consumers. Is that something that you guys are thinking about as well? And do you want everything you sell uh, to, for other people to make money? Is that worked into it? That is that, I mean, so I think first of all, the, the, the sneaker in, I think about the sneaker industry, of course, and I think about the full, um, end to end journey, right? And so I think that I, I, you know, I'm not going to come on here and say that the secondary market isn't a, an important part of the sneaker industry today. It is. Right. It, it 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 matters. It is not what drives any of our decisions. None of them. In fact, um, you know, we have a really really important work stream ahead of us, and and uh, and and our goal is to get one 
pair of amazing shoes into as many unique individuals as we can. And, and so, you know, for the most part, when I think about the secondary market, I think about the effect that it's had on, on us with that objective and, you know, the forcing function coming the other way, trying to, you know, who looks at, who looks at sneakers as a, um, a financial currency and not just from a social currency perspective. So, you know, I think that that's a challenge that, that we certainly face. I think that the, I think that, that I, 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 you know, and at the same time, I think that sneaker demand and the demand for sneakers is the secondary market is of course playing a role in that. And I don't think there's anything I'm, I'm okay with that. Right. I, uh, I want the, I want the products that we sell to be as in demand as possible. I just want to be able to satisfy as many individual customers with amazing product as I can. Totally. No, that makes perfect sense. Do you have a favorite, uh, do you have a favorite sneaker of all time? I know you got those shoes in the background. That was just that you talking about that made made me think. I I think through, through my age, I've gone through different waves of favorite sneakers, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love max nineties. Uh, I, I went through a huge dunk phase a long time ago and now dunks are back. So I'm, I'm, I don't know if I can still pull that off. I love AJ ones. Uh, I, you know, I, I, um, I love Stan Smith's. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I, 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 I love, actually, I love 574s from New Balance. So I, I honestly, I'm not just saying that because we sell everything. I, I really am sort of an equal opportunist. Um, and I am a, I, you know, I do love sneakers. So uh, I have a, I, I you know, I, I pretty much, I, I go, I've gone through different waves through my age of what I've been super into. But now it's it's nice. I'm 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 the old guy, and I feel like can, I I can wear sort of anything and get away with it, except unless unless it's you know I also size 13 feet, and I'm like 5'10", so I gotta go I gotta I gotta go easy on the color. <laughs> I, I hear you on that. Uh, now, in in a world where obviously everything year after year is getting more and more decentralized, you know, you have crazy things shaking financial markets, you know, like cryptocurrency and. Uh, things shaking, you know, the advertising world, like social media, mm-hmm. in an age where sneakers, you know, haven't necessarily been broken down by the brands yet, per se, you have some guys who signed with like Li Ning and, you know, uh, companies from other countries. Do you think that there will be a time where creators are launching their own sneaker brands? And then is that something that Foot Locker wants to be involved in those sorts of things? I love the question. I love the question. And just so you know, these are things that I think about. And, and you know, one of the ways that the marketing, my, I feel like my position and, and marketing positions in general have evolved is that they have become, they, I mean, and, and, and this is how I want it to be and, and marketers should, they become less brand focused and more business focused and more commercial focused. And they, and they're doing that from an ideation perspective. And so, um, and, and, and from a growth perspective. So, you know, I, I love the, I love that you're asking me about, is there room for new ideas to break into the sneaker industry? Because to your point, if you look a lot of the same brand, it's, it's a, it's, it's a finite number of brands and you know, most, and you've known most of them for a long, long time. There's the occasional, there's the occasional, um, brands that have broken in overseas and there's the occasional um, and, and more in recent, there's some brands that have broken in here in, in a niche way, something like an Allbirds, right? Um, but 
but uh, I do believe that there is room for uh, creators to have their own brands um, and their own sneaker models. What I would tell you is that the sneaker industry in general, from a manufacturing standpoint, is challenging. Uh, there, you know, and it's it's a long process and it's technical. So you really have to have a lot of expertise, which is a so the barriers to the barriers to entry into the sneaker space are 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 pretty significant. Um, the barriers to entry to selling a product have been are are less are less significant than they ever have been. If you have the product you can sell it you if you have an instagram channel with a million followers with instagram checkout you can you don't have to gain an audience for your website you have your audience with instagram checkout you can sell them that product so while so there are barriers of entry that have been lifted the um the piece of actually producing a great quality sneaker is something that the industry ha is still shaking out i do think that i do think that over time it it, it will be and and again i I think I think it's awesome. Anything that makes the industry more creative um, it brings more brings more consumers, brings more brands. I, I think is I think is amazing. And it 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 also makes everybody lift up their innovation and creative game. So I I I I do see it coming with my own eyes. By the way, <laughs> and uh, I do I know I know what's happening, and yeah. um, and I'm a. Uh, I'm excited about it and I and I think it'll be slow but I think it will happen over time. Right, like uh something that that immediately makes me think of is a creator I'm sure you're familiar with Mr Beast, right? Yeah. He launched uh Beast Burger through, you know, thousands of different using you know method like ghost kitchens, right? Using kitchens that are already available to sell a burger through the apps. Yeah. Um so I'm curious when a company is going to come around and, and I'm sure, you know, if anybody wanted to do that, it would only be the top 0.0001% of creators yep. are doing it and then it would be the 1% then 5. Yep. Um but I'm curious when a company is going to come around that expedites those processes for people in the same way that they do for t-shirts and more normal yeah no i mean listen you i i if i'm not kidding you right there we talk i talk about this all the time right this, um in two different ways there 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 has to be a speed to market platform in footwear it has to happen it has to happen and there's been a lot of people and companies that have tried and haven't been able to really figure it out but I, tr but it's such an unlock because we do, we do so many, I mean, we're, we all, we, newness and relevancy drive the industry, right? So you're really planning newness and relevancy at a scale level, 12 to 15 months out. It's pretty Where a t-shirt, where, where if something happens tomorrow, we can make a t-shirt like that. So, I, I think that at, at scale, at scale. So I, I really do think um, that the industry, it's another place that I think, I think there has to be a speed to market formula in the industry that will happen over time. Yeah. Man, I thought we were just coming on, I thought I was just coming on to talk hoops, but this is great. These are real, these are, these are great questions. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, the second you told me you're a Celtics fan, I didn't. Hit all the hoops questions got out. All, all the hoops questions, I just crumpled it up and threw it across the room. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that how that all sort of plays itself out. 
Um, and whether some of the big companies take a lead in that, like does Nike come out and say, hey, we we'll enable. These, right, without taking everything for themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the idea of like, of like intellectual property and IP and, and who owns what is something that we're, we're really passionate about, to be honest with you. And, um, and actually, um, you know, we, one of the, one of the most exciting things that I'm a part of um, in our company is, is we have a, a very, very, very significant social action commitment um, that we call lead, leading education, and economic development. And, uh, and one of the things that we're trying to do is make our make our industry look more like our customer and more like our associates who work for us and um and the you know the industry just does not have a lot of black owned businesses it just doesn't um because a big reason for that is the barriers of entry are really high and so some of the things that some of the things that we've done um so we have a huge commitment to work with black owned businesses and bring them in and and make sure that we're doing it in a, in a really controlled, patient, disciplined manner. And, and also we have a budget that I actually oversee that makes that, and this says you, this tells you so much about Belocker as a company actually, because um, it's, it's a truly high value and one and wonderful company. Um, we have a budget that I, that I can use that, that all it's there for is to relieve barriers of entry into our company or into our industry, things like trademarking, Wow. Um, things, um, things like insurance requirements, um, one on with, with, um, you know, even the amount of assets that are needed when you bring like creative assets that are needed in production, we actually are working with all of our, uh, with, with all of these brands who are, who are amazing creative brands that are a little bit on the younger side and don't have the capital We're we're giving them, we're paying for and get out of this budget and we're giving them an agency, a creative agency. That's all work cool. with to all work with they will work with them they will work with the agency to, to to tell their story to tell their story and and again we're not owning any of these brands we have no you know, interest this is their brands that we are trying to build up over time because the other thing is we want to make sure we we want to make sure that we're not oversaturating them really quickly because that is the sort of the kiss of death um and um and and so we're we're really working with them at their own pace um, and doing what we can to um, relieve of any barriers that, that, that stand in the way of, from either working in our company, um, even working with our company or our industry. Wow. So I really, I love the self-awareness that the company had to understand the need of that. That's so awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. I wish, I mean, imagine what the world would be like if every company did that. Well, you know, I think the good thing is a lot more companies are, you know, there was a, you know, um, it, there was a, a similar commitment that was done by a bunch of companies that sort of looked at um, floor space or shelf space and, and, and carved out, I don't, I don't want to say it was 15, 20% of the shelf space that it was now going to be dedicated to black owned businesses. And, and this is a very similar way of, uh, of looking at it. Uh, we just didn't want to over promise shelf space and make and force us into putting too much in and making people produce too much product when they're not ready for it. Because what happens there is that they, you get left with a lot of product and it either has to be put on sale or, you know, and or they're not making enough money to cover it. So again, we just wanted to make sure that we were tempering our actions with our, with the partners and thinking about them first. That makes perfect sense. Now in a world where uh, Foot Locker is both very digital, but still has a lot of physical stores, 
What is your sort of inner mental state of the union on physical stores in 2021? Well, I, you know, I think that, that it's, again, different industries um, are, I would say different, would have different answers. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the majority of our, the majority of our um, shopping journey starts on their phone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, that's fact. And, um, and, e and, and either ends online or in store. And honestly, I, I don't really care so much where, <laughs> and I don't care at all where, as long as it's with one of those two, please. <laughs> um, um, uh, stores are still a huge part of, of business. I mean, it's still the biggest part of business. And, um, and, uh, and well, and I think people want to touch, feel sneakers, try them on sometimes. Um, a lot of people like to smell them. You know, there's a whole sneaker head smelling, you know, I've, I do I've love it. I do love that. I do love the smell of a new pair of sneakers. Guilty. Me, me um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I don't see stores and sneakers. I see it being as important as ever. We have, we see it as important as ever. Um, I, I don't, I think that even, you know, a lot of times people will come into a store with what they want. They thought they wanted on the phone and then they're, they're, they're in, they're engaged with an, an entire assortment and they actually leave with something else. Um, where it's interesting online, a lot of times people know exactly what they want. They go right to the search, get it gone. So it's actually funny that in where people used to think about the idea of endless aisle, mm -hmm. a lot of people thought of that as the online because there was no constraints on your inventory, right? Because there's no size, there's no back room, right? Where actually sometimes it does in sneakers, it actually works the opposite way because you're, you might not get exposed to, you know, sneakers are such a want item and, you know, that you, people love doing research and they're reading and they're sharing on their, with their friends and seeing on Instagram. And, and um, so a lot of time online, people just go to the product they want and go. Um, and, and stores, you're just exposed to a whole lot more items, actually. So it, it is funny. It's actually worked the opposite that a lot of people thought it was going to be. Right. And also anytime the demand outweighs the supply, you know, things go online where, but you're in competition with so many more people uh, online versus the physical store in your local area. You're only in competition with, if you're your in local a, area. if you're in a town of a hundred thousand, you're in competition with a hundred thousand people, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting, brings up an interesting point too, because I think the other thing that, that happens is that what I love about the, um, what I love about the online piece is that there are plenty of brands or product stories that are incredible and maybe slightly niche. And it's much easier to aggregate that demand online than guess which stores are gonna have it or try to spend against all these stores to create the demand and the awareness that it has it. It's much easier to, to it's much easier. Now again, I'm talking about a niche idea. Right. So it could be a product that was inspired by or built or designed with food or IP or this week we this week we launched two um, shoes. Uh, we launched um, an autism awareness shoe with the Adored and autism awareness shoe with Puma. Both of them blew, blew out online. And it's really easy to aggregate the, all that aware, uh, all that awareness and all, all that demand. Um, into the online. So I think it's really, I think the online piece really, really, really helps 
some of the brands on the come up or some of the um, or some of the products that you're trying to build on the come up. Right. Yeah. And it's all, it's all like online, I, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's all about, you know, getting a ton of stuff sold. Whereas I feel like physically it does get things in more different people's hands or feet. <laughs> um, online you're saying physically gets? I'm, I'm, I'm also just asking because I'm curious how, how it is. So give it to me again. Are, is on, does online get it to more individ, get the sneaker to more individual people or does physical, do you think? Um, I think per, it really depends. Per like, per like thousand sneakers sold. Yeah, so I think, if, I, think, I think it really depends on the product. Um, I think overall, I think overall still stores, but, but um, you know, again, it, it really does depend on the product. Some, like I said, some things sell better online than they do in store um, because of the aggregation of demand. So, um, you know, if you have mass demand, you can, it doesn't even matter. You could sell the exact same quantity, right. where, you know, you, you know, probably sell them out of your garage. But, um, but I think overall, I think overall stores, stores are still the predominant um, place where people are shopping for sneakers. Totally. You know, and it, it's funny now uh, in, in sort of 2020, 2021, where every company needs to be, you know, obviously relevant on social media. If you're not, you know, obviously you haven't missed the boat because this is because the whole this whole world isn't going anywhere. But you know, you got to be uh, at least have some content and things like that. That's something obviously that Foot Locker has done extraordinarily well via commercials and collabor collaborations with influencers and and athletes and things like that. But do you think that every company is slowly becoming a media company around what they are, you know, at their core? <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I think, I think smart ones are, you know, because yeah. I, I, again, I, I think one of the differentiators for Foot Locker is that we have an incredible audience, both that we, that we can reach at any time, both from a social perspective and people who have um, shopped who, and people who have shopped us. So if we want, from a push notification to an email to a social post, we have the ability to reach in a, a, a lot of people. So audience is media and it matters. So, um, you know, and, and they vote quickly. So, and so, you know, it, I think it's a really important piece to our success. So with obviously there are like three pillars of sneakers and things that, you know, they're the resellers, which we talked about, they're the people who just buy it to wear it because you need shoes. Um, and then there are the collectors. So, you know, the, those three, obviously the, the wearing people sort of take care of themselves and the resellers, we spoke about that. But the last part is the collectors um, and people collect sneakers, they collect cards, they collect a lot of things. Uh, how do you think about, you know, adding other collectibles into sort of the Foot Locker universe and bringing things in like NFTs and cards and this and that. Where, where do you, you know, look at the ability to add in other collectibles to this whole world or even track what people are collecting? So um, I mentioned, so my marketing, like I talked about marketing has, evolved in in the world and in certainly in our organization and one of the things that i do is i oversee two teams that that um look at brands and partnerships differently and they're they they're, they sit on they sit in the middle of product and marketing and um 
one of them more on a scale level and one of them more at an energy level. And they do co they do collaborations, they do licensing with I with different IPs. Um, they bring in creators and and uh, and different brands. And we also look at um, uh, ad adjacent categories like collectibles. And 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 so when we look at that sort of thing, we the most important piece of it is that it it, it stays within our it is adjacent. It, it's, it, 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 when I say that, it, it is relevant to who we are and what we do. It's an ad. So, um, you know, we have tried some collectibles that have absolutely not worked. And it's because they've been just on the outside of, what, of who we are. And we've, tried, and we've tried the exact same collect type of collectibles within who we are. And we've hit and, and it's been amazing. So, you know, I think that you will see a really exciting partnership with someone like Funko, mm -hmm. um, where yeah. you'll, where you'll see collect, where you'll see collectibles that are very much within the sweet spot of hoops, footwear, and sort of the youth culture that, that we see as our sweet spot. Um, and I, and so I, and I think that we are, I, I, I you know, we talk about the, what's happening with both um, physical and digital trading cards, obviously, obviously we talk top shot. Um, so, you know, those, those, all those conversations are, are real and it's just figuring out the way to do them in a authentic way. You know, the, what's happening with NFTs right now is really interesting. It's, it's, um, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, you see a lot of people doing it and, um, and it's not that hard to do. Um, because of the platforms are set up for you, but um, you know, I, I think that if we're when we enter that space, where we want to make sure that we're doing it in a in a, in a really um, relevant way for our specific passionate customer. Totally, and you know, especially with how early it is in that world, everything's so volatile, which then also puts consumers at risk, which is never a good thing for a company like. Locker. So there's also that sort of added facet to not wanting to jump on that side of digital too early on particularly decentralized platforms. Like Top Shot is super centralized. It's only them. You don't pay in Ethereum. You don't pay on no. thing. Yeah. You Cred pay by credit card yeah. and flow, which is their own token. Yep. yep. Uh, so it centralized is a little bit safer. Decentralized yep. is just, I mean. Yep. Nobody knows anything, and people yep. who say they know something are lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. That that's really interesting to me. But it has been super cool to allow uh, this form of competition and and creative competition, right? Because people don't look at it, the creators don't look at it as competition, and that's great because then the end products just get better and better and better and better because there's yeah. so many people trying and putting yep, that's right. out that the consumers can just say, "Oh, I like this, or I like that," yeah. and then they become a millionaire overnight, like people yeah. and people, you know, artists. And, and, and you know, I, I, I appreciate Top Shot. I, not everybody does appreciate Top Shot uh, and, and sort of the, the credit card evolution. Um, again, there's many, many purists out there who, who, who don't love that. For me, per, me personally, it mainstreamed it for me. Right. For me, um, who's, you know, an older 40 plus, guy you know who's you know but again I, I, but you know and, and and 
Um, and I think that that happened for a lot of people. And I think, you know, uh, you know, the NFT boom that's happening right now, I don't think would have happened this fast and this loud without Topshop. I agree. No, I, I definitely agree. It opened, it opened it up for people to get a taste. And I, I feel like with anything, you need a little bit of a taste. You need to experience it before yeah. you go headfirst in. Yeah. And like the reason that everybody isn't a multimillionaire off Bitcoin is because it was really hard to buy Bitcoin at the beginning. Areas of entry. Exactly. And it decreased that. So then people got their taste and the taste was easy enough to get that they were willing to go the extra leaps and bounds yeah. to get into the other stuff. Yeah. And then everything else saw arise because of that. So there, there's an argument to make even bigger than the statement that you made that opened up NFTs. I think because the crypto boom happened at a very similar time. I know. There's an argument to be made about that having an in, in, you know, impact on Bitcoin and Ethereum's value. Yeah. Well, and, and, and they still, I think most of their transactions are, if I remember correctly, most of their, um, because they were, I, I saw them speak, a lot of their transactions are, might be credit, but a lot, but I think the, do, the mostly amount, the, the actual revenue is mostly crypto. So, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a balance. So, I mean, but yeah, I think they've had, a, I think they've, they've really created a wave. Totally. So one thing that I love in sports cards, and I wish it existed in sneakers, in like common sneakers, uh, numbering of cards. This is something that I love because you can collect different numbers. Same with Top Shot. Every Top Shot is serial numbered. Yeah. That's a, a collectability principle that applies to pretty much everything that is somewhat limited in quantity. Um, why do you think there aren't more numbered sneakers? Is it a production thing? Is it because there are too many of each sneaker produced? Uh, I would love to see more number, even if the number is a million. If that sneaker is numbered and, and I buy one of the one to 10,000, I think that makes it cooler. Um, you're also a collector. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, that definitely there have been projects like that. They, they, they tend to be on the smaller side to your point. Right, and right. the number has had some relevance, you know, where they're like, it is that number because that was the number somebody retired or whatever it was, right? Um, or amount of points scored or whatever, right? Um, I've done projects like that. Um, I talked about a project like that yesterday, to that, honestly. Um, I, you know, I don't know, I, I don't, I think it's not done at scale because I'm sure there's a manufacturing piece to that that I honestly don't know the answer to. Right. Um, I also think uh, it's probably not done at scale because that's not the overall intention of the product. You know, the, the, the intention of the product is, not meant to satisfy a collector yeah it's not it's just not the objective you know right. and 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 again i'm not that's not to say there haven't been projects like that that have had that objective there have been mm -hmm. um you know that one of but but most of the time that's not what the objective is and in fact most people don't know how many are produced true yeah they're not meant for uh darren Ravel and i <laughs> listen darren uh, darren's a friend so i i, I agree not for him <laughs> yeah, there, there, we've had many conversations about those sorts of things. Um, uh, obviously, are you a collector of sneakers as well? I would not put myself in that category. Um, I wouldn't. I'm, I love sneakers. I wear them. I, do I have like a few pairs that I've 
gotten over the last 20 years that are in the box still? Yes, but not many. And I'm not like, it's, 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 I don't have that drive. Um, so most of what I, pretty much everything I, I own, I wear at some point. Um, and, you know, so I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a collector. I'm in, I would put myself in the enthusiast category. Got it. Now, I want to ask you uh, one of the last topics about sports leagues as a whole, you know, from your standpoint, which leagues over the last five or so years have impressed you the most in their, you know, adaptation to social, working with their athletes, uh, you know, even maybe supporting brands like Foot Locker, uh, you know, does the end, do you have a, you know, league hierarchy in terms of which leagues well, have impressed you the most? So listen, I have, we have no league partnerships right now. So, um, from a, so, um, we had one for, with the NBA for a really long time and I'm, I'm really, I, I mean, I have a, I have a, a, a love for a lot of people over there and, and I'm, and I'm a, I'm a huge hoop head. Right. Um, so, uh, and I, so I, what I would tell you is that I, um, I, I really think they've done some amazing things. I really appreciate a lot of the things that they've that they've done, um, and um, and I feel like they they're making really thoughtful decisions at all times, right? Um, you know, I, I actually personally have I grew up wanting to be the general manager of the Red Sox, like I said, and you know I I I personally got lost in the baseball world a little bit. I don't know why, I, you know, I, if it was the season was too long for me or the Red Sox just kept winning and it was time for me to, it was okay now, you know, I could like take a break, um, it, but like, or I couldn't follow, I couldn't fantasy, just was too hard in baseball. Too I couldn't, much. Yeah. It, was too, it was too much. And um, so, you know, I, um, now it's funny though, my son who's a baseball player and is, is um, almost 17, he tells me all the time that MLB is amazing on social. Um, so, you know, and I, and I, you know, and I probably paid a little bit more attention to that because of, um, because of him. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, you know, I think that I, I really, really, I, I don't want to talk bad of anybody of any league. I really appreciate what, um, the NBA has done over the years. And, um, I thought the bubble was amazing. And if, what, you know, it tends to be that when I've questioned what they've done, they, they, I turn out to be wrong and they turn out to be right. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I, I really respect what the, what they've been able to do. The NBA's execution of the bubble is going to go down in history as one of the most incredible things yeah. that a sports league has ever done. Ever. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, you know, the the NBA is just. My son and I were watching the NFL draft last night. Right. And he and he's like, I cannot believe that there's nothing in football until Labor Day, from now until Labor Day. Right. And, and, and that is just such an amazing, I mean, the NBA has an advantage over football anyway, because again, barriers of entry, it's just that, you know, you just, you, you need a court and a ball and some players and, and, um, and there's no helmets. So personalities are out, are out there um, much, 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 much more. Um, but there's just, it is really like the, like the, the, the idea of bas that basketball never stops. is just incredibly true in the NBA. And this is just, like the off season is it, the off season it is, is its own season. And, you know, I'm excited for summer league to come back and it's, just, it's just nonstop. It's awesome. Um, so I, I think that's just a another advantage that they, 
that the NBA just has uh, on the other leagues. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think the NBA also, from a media perspective, just from knowing the league on you know, and, and I've broadcasted games for the NBA, I've hosted shows with the league, and you know they support everything I'm doing on the media front, and I know they support a lot of my friends too. Their standpoint on the NBA side is if you're not directly conflicting with our TV viewership, you're helping us. Yeah. Whereas other leagues are like, hey, that's our IP. Let's take you down and make sure you can't do anything, yeah. right? And that standpoint has allowed the NBA's micro community infrastructure to be better than any other sports league in the world. Yeah. Um, and that, in my opinion, in addition to you know the fact that they're 10 players on a court, not 70, and they're not wearing helmets, and just generally... Uh, the NBA amplifies the personalities, like you were talking about how Foot Locker tries to be for others too. Um, it it puts them in a category of their own. Yeah, I, and and I mean it, it is a league of stars, and there are real stars. And and um, and and again, it takes you back to like how the the athletes have dimensionalized. They they have platforms. They use them. Um, you know, it, it's just and the NBA has allowed that to happen. They've encouraged it, you know, from what they've done with jerseys, with names on the back of jerseys, to speaking platforms. I mean, they just, they, they've just, they've really let, they, they've really let the brand, the players' brands, be a part of the league. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, it, they've done a great job. Oh man, that's so exciting. Now, what, what, my last question for you: yeah. What gets you the most excited right now? I ask you that question. What do you What do you think of what gets you the most excited in twenty twenty one? Seeing some people it would be nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, the occasional hug would be great for people. You know. Um, um, so I'll, I'll tell you from a from a work standpoint. Um, I feel like we're doing a lot right. And, uh, and I, I just am so proud of the, I, I'm really proud of the company. Like I said, that it has a really high degree of self-awareness and it's willing to push it and evolve and try things and be different. And, um, and I am somebody who I'm challenged and I am inspired by the idea of growth and business models and, and evolving. You know, I really do consider myself, a, a, um, a, I still consider myself an entrepreneur, you know, and, and. Um, and I think that the, I think where we are, I think where most brands are, they have to be entrepreneurial and they have to think about evolving and diversifying your brand and your, and your business. Um, so that is probably the most exciting part of my job. Um, it's, it's not the day-to-day -day piece. It's not the, uh, you know, I, we have, I have amazing, amazing, amazing people on the, our teams who drive the everyday piece of the business. I couldn't, I, I most of the time can't tell you what's happening next week, but I, I, um, which gives me just a lot of room to use my brain and, and challenge myself and other people to find ways to continue to grow and evolve as a company and as a business. And that is, and um, I feel very fortunate to be in a place that allows me to do that. That's great. That would have been an incredible award acceptance speech, by the way. <laughs> if I could just win an award, <laughs> it's coming. Oscar, come on, give me that. I want the I want the pod award, the podcast. Give me something. Give me an award. Pod, podcast award, podcast guest uh, number one. <laughs> I mean, you just had Jerry West on. There's no way I can get that award. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. Jerry Jerry might give it to you himself, truthfully. 
Um, well, Jed, thank you so much for coming on. Where I don't know if you want people to find you, but if they can, where can people find you or Foot Locker best? Oh man, I even, I, I I rarely get to promote myself. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm all, all my all my social accounts are public, but uh, you know, um, but probably you should follow our brands: Foot Locker, Kids Foot Locker, Lady Foot Locker, Champs, East Bay Foot Action, Greenhouse. Um, go follow them on Instagram. TikTok, wherever, and uh, I, you won't find me on TikTok. Um, I, I, you will find me spying in my son on TikTok just to make uh, sure. Yeah, you, know, you gotta, you know, you gotta be parent. Um, but uh, but um, no, nah, I really, I, I go follow us. I promise that the team does amazing work showcasing the amazing product that we sell. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for doing this. It was really fun. Of course. All right. Thanks so much for having me.